Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest guests on this podcast. And I hope you're staying safe during our global pandemic. Please stay in your houses. Be safe so we can get over, get this over with. But make sure you wash your hands, wear your masks, and do everything that you need to stay safe and not you know, spread this virus. Well, we will get through it. But on this episode, we go back to my second day at this year's C2E2 convention in Chicago. And you get to hear my talks with first best-selling author, S.L. Huang, who is about to release her new book, Critical Point. Then after that, I talk with the team behind DC Black Label's Joker Harley Criminal Sanity, writer Cami Garcia, and artist Jason Bedauer. To start things off, S.L. Hoang has a math degree from MIT and is a weapons expert and professional stuntwoman who has worked in Hollywood on Battlestar Galactica and a number of other productions. Hoang's latest book is due out on April 28th, Critical Point, and is the third in her Cass Russell series following Zero Sum Game and Null Set. During our chat, we talked about this series based on this character that is a math genius mercenary, along with her background in math and as a stuntwoman, along with representation in literature, and the many different ways you can be a nerd. So, let's first get into this interview with S.L. Huang. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron. We get it? Word. Okay. That's my go-to test, one, two, three. So. Yeah, I know you're a bit of a nerd. 
you can say it. You can say it. We're, we're here at C2E2. I feel like I nerd is I'm the default. Think about, I was trying to think about wit. I'm like, do I call you a math nerd? Do I call you a... Uh, which type of nerd? Yeah, I which say, type? Yes. I was trying to think about what, what sort ner of nerd. Um, I am all the nerds. All I'm the grammar nerds. nerd, language nerd, math nerd, science nerd, sci-fi nerd. <laughs> like, hit all the points. <laughs> cool. Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm here again, C2E2. Got another fresh guest. This is Kate Fresh. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm SL Huang, and uh, I am the author of the Cass Russell series from Tor, starting with the book Zero Sum Game. So, you have a new book coming out. Yes. Um, talk, you know, talk about it. All right. Um, so the, the book that's coming out in April is called Critical Point. It is the third in my super-powered math thriller series. Uh, the books are Zero Sum Game, Null Set, and then Critical Point coming in April. Um, they're fast-paced thrillers about uh, an anti-heroine um, who, whose superpower is being able to do math really, really fast, and she uses it to murder slightly too many people, as you do with math. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what I did with math. Yeah, totally, like, right? Like, yeah. my degree's in math, and that's, that. you know, we had all the super assassin classes there. That's, yeah, you know, that's yeah, how it works. It's a part of, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an elective of the, uh, totally. the math degree. <laughs> it's like, like assassins, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and swords. And, swords, you know, sword throwing. class, yeah. you know, uh -huh. like, you know, bomb. Yeah. See, bomb. see, kids, this is why you should study math. It's so very yeah, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, I, I killed some of my classmates in math, you know, <laughs> I, excel, I excelled in math in high school, and I, sh I killed some of my classmates. Well done, well done. Well done, yes. So. <laughs> you would get along with my main character then. <laughs> All right, so, you know, where did you know where did the whole idea of the series come about? You know, I know a lot of your background went into it, mm -hmm. but you know, where were you like, yo? This is what I want to do with it. Uh, well, ever since I was little, you know, I've always been a huge math and science nerd. And ever since I was little, uh, you know, I've been, you know, into science fiction and fantasy and superhero stories. And I'd always wanted to write something about superheroes, but that were like math or s different types of science or like other types of like sort of academic disciplines, but like c kind of taken to the extreme into like superpower territory. Yeah. So I'd sort of been battering around this idea for a while. Um, and then I hit on the idea of doing it as this sort of, it's a, a little bit noir, uh, snarky, like uh, first person thriller uh, with this main character who's like, you know, kind of, uh, is, is not the best at human skills, you know, at, at interacting with people. Um, uh, and, it, you know, just basically solves problems by punching them in the face, or tries to. Um, and, like, has this, you know, extreme math ability. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this will work. This is the idea that I've been wanting to do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and and you, you mentioned my background. I'm a, a stunt woman in armor as well. So that, that certainly played in. I, I couldn't have written this book without, like, living in L.A. and working in movies and doing all of that, like, movie action. How did you get into that? Because, yeah, you're a weapons expert. You're, uh, you're a stunt woman. And and you're also just like a math geek, <laughs> like a, 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 a very a, eclectic personality. A very eclectic, you know. I'm like, yo, like, how did you get into all of that? You know, where, where was the time when you're like, yo, I'm gonna, 
I want to be a stunt woman. <laughs> well, I'd always been a performer. Like, uh, well, I actually majored in math and minored in theater arts. So I'd always been an actress, and I'd always, uh, you know, I'd always done a lot of martial arts and sword fighting. And then I actually learned to shoot at MIT. Um, th there are two gun ranges in the Boston area, and one is in the basement of the MIT Athletic Center. Um, and my, my coach at the time um, was incredible, just like, you know, very, very safe, very focused, and um, just an incredible coach. Um, and he, he, last I heard, uh, was is coaching the U.S. Paralympic shooting team. So that gives you an idea of, like, what a great shoot, uh, pistol coach he was. Um, and then at the end of college, I was kind of like, I love math, but... If I go to graduate school, I, you know, I was, I was kind of feeling burnt out, and I was like, I might end up hating math, and I don't want to hate math. I yeah. love math, right? So I was like, I have this other love, performing, um, and I decided to go out to Hollywood for a little while <laughs> and, you know, give that a go, um, and uh, uh, pretty, pretty immediately started doing just stunts and, and the weapons work, um, which I love very much. That, that's crazy. Like, yeah, I know, like, like... If you just go for math, you know, <laughs> don't like the opportunities, what that avenue that you might go down might be a little like might burn you out, you know, well, you maybe, know, you know, from what you kind of think about, it, you might get a little frustrated. And, and you sound like somebody that wants more out of life, wants a little bit more excitement in, in life. A, a little bit that. And also, like, this type of math I was studying was, you know, quite theoretical. And um, there isn't much, like, I really enjoyed it, but there, there, most of the jobs that you would do with that would be, well, you could become a professor, right, which is what most theoretical, people study yeah. theoretical math do. And I kind of didn't want to do that. And then, you know, there are other jobs, but they're mostly things like, you know, they're not, they, they use math, and you can get a job like at a hedge fund or finance or whatever, but they're not like doing the fun kind of math. They're just people who are like, okay, you know math, you can you know help us make money in the stock market or whatever. And I, that was sort of on the empty side for me. I didn't I didn't want to go for that kind of job. I mean, I I, I just I <laughs> like you said, I wanted a, a little bit more excitement and meaning in my life. Yo, what's the fun kind of math, and like what what does that entail? What are what are some like industries, some jobs, some things that would be like the fun kind of math? Uh, so what I love about math personally is I love seeing the way it connects to itself. Like the, it's, it's like seeing the, the bones of the universe to me, um, which I know sounds a little corny, but just the, when you, uh, when I'm looking at like a, a really cool, elegant math proof that just like connects all these different areas of you know of other types of math together and it just it's beautiful it's like looking at a piece of art to me and the right. fact that we can like do that um, and we can discover these things and and you know and find more and make more of this up you know it's a very math is actually a very creative field um, i think that's really cool and i also love uh, connecting to the real world you know, like so much of the world is math. Um, like, you know, everything we see around us is just filled with like statistics and probabilities. And I love that. I think it's really cool. So how do you go from that to, you know, writing, being an author? <laughs> well, I'd always been a writer since I was very, very small. I wrote my first novel when I was 19. It will never see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> you go back and look, I'm like, yo. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I'm like, I could revise this, but it would take, way longer than just writing something new. I just write something new. Yeah, you know, pretty, much, pretty much. I mean, it was, you know, it's good for a 19-year-old, but, like, not not something I'm, I want shown to the world. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'd always been writing, but I would always, it was always sort of, like, the thing I did for fun. 
And uh, I was, and even in college, like uh, there, there were a lot of like really cool creative writing classes that I could have taken. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Writing's going to be the one thing that like I have no deadlines and no stress. I'm just going to do it for fun. And that didn't end up working out so well for me. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I, I when I got the idea for this book, and I, you know, ended up writing it. And I finished it on a movie set. Actually, yeah. I was like on set, and I had my sides, which are like the lines for the day. And I, you know, there's like these half-page pieces of paper with the script on it. Right, right. And I would turn them over, and I had a pencil, and I was like writing, 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 writing in longhand. And then I was like, oh, I think I just finished my book. Oh. Um, so I, and I. I I was looking at this book and I'm like, I think I'm proud enough of this that I want other people to see it, you know? So I sort of fell backwards into publishing, I guess, because, you know, I didn't expect, um, I didn't expect it to get like the publisher that I did and the support that I've gotten and the response that it's gotten has just been incredible. And now I'm, now I'm a full-time writer and it's What were some of the things that like, you know, really stuck out like th in regards to the feedback that you got, like, when you fir from that first book, you know when mm -hmm. you, when it just you know the p when the publisher saw it, when the fans saw it, you know what what really sticks out. <laughs> you know? um, I think uh, I, I a lot of people are really fascinated with it because it's not like something they've seen before, um, which can be both good and bad. Because I try to tell people about it, and it's it's hard to like compare to things that people you know know about. Um, but what people really like, I think, is they like hearing about my background and that, that you know, I'm somebody who, you know, was doing stunts for movies and doing weapons stuff, like, full-time professionally, and I'm a woman, and, you know, I'm a math major, and, like, tying all this together into this sort of, like, mix that is very, uh, you know, very much a book I would have written. Um, I, I've gotten really great responses to that. When I was looking on your, your website, you, you know, in the About Me section, you have all these, mm -hmm. like, weird interesting facts <laughs> and the last one on there was like the queer illuminati like oh <laughs> oh that's a there was a <laughs> i don't know if that's still active there was somebody else in sci-fi who was like uh listing there there are many um queer asian sci-fi writers yeah. um of which i am one and uh th for a while um one of us was like sort of collecting where we would all like appear in table of contents together and like be like oh you know we've got all these like you know really cool queer asian science fiction fantasy and horror writers um so yeah it was a uh i mean i love uh the the science fiction and fantasy communities and um and I love that uh, we're able to have those like sub communities where we support each other. How much of like yourself kind of goes into these books, like beyond like just the math stuff, you know, like when you're developing these characters, mm -hmm. you know, is there any, are you drawing anything from yourself or from oh, your yeah. family or anything? What mm -hmm. goes into that? Um, I would say. Uh, all, none of these characters are explicitly based on anyone, but they're all drawn from pieces of me and from pieces of my life. Um, uh, I would say uh, definitely, for sure. Um, you know, I, I have, I, I try to have my characters be all like very distinct people and very distinct motivations and, um, and senses of humor and, uh, you know, the way they interact with each other um, and, and flaws. Um, but a lot of that is is certainly drawn from life, um, and a lot of the you know little anecdotes that like I have had in my own life regarding say mathematics or computers or something. I'll you know I'll throw in the books. Um, 
I actually like one of sometimes uh, I've had qu a few of my friends who's like their research I like put in the books as a little bit of a tribute so like uh, my main character's doing some math and I mentioned what she's doing and it's like some obscure you know area of mathematics or process or something but it's like what is something that one of my friends has been researching and they're like oh my gosh you put it in the book so that's really fun <laughs> what do you hope you know people get out of you know reading this series a, a good time that's the number one. I, I want to be entertaining. I want people to read them and be like, this was fun. This was a good ride. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the, the dialogue and the, the, you know, the, 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 the fast-paced action of it. Um, that's, that's really my number one motivation. As someone who comes from this, has just this diverse sort of take on everything, mm -hmm. you know, being Asian-American, being a woman, like, are there any stories that you want told more, whether it is in a serious way or in a fun way? Mm -hmm. Is there any types of stories that you want to be told or told in a certain way that more often? And is there th things that you would, l you know, love to just do yourself? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think my answer to that would be all of them. We need all of these stories. I, I think one of the, the problems, when, you know, when we're talking about representation of, you know, different genders or different, uh, you know, ethnicities or demographics is, um, is having that, like, narrowness where there's only one or only a few. There's, like, that the, the, the sort of, like, uniform yeah, for each yeah. sort of thing. Like, like queer people are this. Yeah, or, exactly, and I hate that. Or Muslim people mm -hmm. are that, mm -hmm. or, or Asian Americans are yeah. that. Yeah, and we, we need to show that, like, these demographics, we aren't monoliths, you know? We have all of this variety within us, and we're all different people with all different motivations. And I, I think, uh, you know, by writing, you know, fast-paced thrillers, you know, these are not... They're not like super messagey, super political books, but by having a diverse cast in these like super like action adventure books, like that to me is significant. That's that's a profound thing to do um, because I'm saying that these these escapist you know popcorn fiction you know where we're where we're having these adventures that that these, these are our stories too. Um, but we need all of them. We need all normalize them, them into yeah. like the regular like just stupid shit that's out there you <laughs> <Exactly>. know <laughs> you know that like yeah. everybody can have stupid shit exactly you know? we need you know we need all of the like we need the light stuff we need the deep stuff we need everything in between and i love you know my my books are very um they're very much on the entertainment side i do try to put some like deepness and thinkiness in of them course, too yeah. of course yeah but you know i i just think we need the whole the whole gamut of it and like n this next next year this year this year it's 2020 <laughs> um fall um in the fall i have another book coming out from from tour that's um it's a it's a mix it's a fantasy that's a mix of chinese and uh european folklore okay. and it's uh it's the, the main characters are red riding hood and ho yi the archer who's from chinese mythology and they're 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 both queer middle-aged women uh you know basically uh you know, ha having these adventures and yeah, then also yeah. like having the angst about their families and whatever. And like, so that's a much more like d going deeply into like my culture and stuff like that. And like, or cultural elements that are important to me. And I want those types of stories. And then I also want those types of stories where that isn't part of it and we still have a diverse cast. You know, we, do, we just need everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Before we get out of here, I just gotta say, I love your dress. It's Thank so, you so cute. Much. Thank you. <laughs> There's, there's the solar system on it, and it's just super cute. 
I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I got at this vintage shop in LA, unfortunately, or I would tell your your listeners where to. I, I don't think it's orderable online. Right, like that's yeah. the best stuff. You know, you just find it like you can't find it ever again, and just like it's super cute. And yeah. I was like, man, the whole time I'm just like, yo, this this dress is super cute. Best part, it's got pockets. Man, yo, all, okay. all you know, femme people know that that's a you know a rare thing. Yes. Okay. 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 Recently, you know, I you know I came out as being queer and also you know non-binary. Awesome. I, I still you know I still prefer women dating-wise and everything, but I've been like, there's been like pants that I like that women have, you know, that I want to buy because they don't have them in men. So I bought like this one. They're like these you know mm-hmm. yellow plaid. They look dope. And when I got them, I'm like they fit perfectly. But they had the smallest. Pockets. Right, right. What oh can you God. put in these pockets? Lip gloss? <laughs> like, I'm like, and I know women just be like, yo, can we just put pockets in everything? Deep pockets in an agreed, everything? Agreed, agreed. You should like, be able to. Yeah, yeah so when, when yeah. women get like, get something like that that has pockets in there, they're like, they're, they're super <laughs> excited. And now I understand. Um, I'm a genderqueer woman, by the way. So I also, you know, I go fluid with the fashion. Um, so I, I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I was like, what yeah. the? I'm like, what, even a woman, dude, like, what are you going to put in his, these pockets? I'm sitting here, I'm like... Yeah, it's a travesty, I'm telling a, you. Like, if a designer for women's clothing just put pockets in everything... They just make bank, you know, they run away with printing it. Printing money, dog, printing money. <laughs> money be up to oh. here, dog, printing money. <laughs> so true, oh my gosh. Okay, before we get out here, where yeah. can people go online to get more information about your books, what you're up to, what you're going to be up to? Yeah, um, let's see. My website, slhuang.com, S-L-H-U-A-N-G.com. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, sl underscore huang. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, that's the place I'm most active probably is Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, you can buy my books anywhere books are sold. Yes. Go, go cop those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for talking with me. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> So that was my talk with S.L. Huang. She was super fun to talk to, and I totally have like a nerd crush on her now. If you go to the show notes at freshofthepodcast.com, there will be a link to where you can pre-order Critical Point, which will be due out April 28th via tour. Now, next up is my talk with Cami Garcia and Jason Bedauer, and we talk about Joker Harley criminal sanity and, and its authenticity from a mental health aspect, along with how the project came to be and how it's influenced their other projects. And since Jason Bedauer is Australian, I had to give him shit about coffee because they take it seriously and coffee over here sucks to them. So let's get into the interview with Cami Garcia and Jason Bedauer. We have the team behind Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. Please introduce yourselves. Cami Garcia. Jason Badawa. How did you know? How did you guys uh, get together to uh, do this title? You know, wh- how did it all kind of come out? So um, there's actually more of us. Uh, Nico Sion is also one of our artists, and Mike Mayhew started on the series, uh, so he did the first two, and then we have a. Uh, consultant named Dr. Ed Kurtz, who is our forensic psychiatrist slash profiler, who okay. does consulting for us. So um, I came up with the idea. 
Um, Ed and Edward and I worked on it together. Like he would help me with all of the technical stuff and coming up with like crime scenes. And I event, I mean, I there was no black label, so I didn't really know what I would do with it because it wasn't DCU. Yeah. But um, my editor, one of my editors at DC, just kept encouraging me, like just you know, just work on it and see what happens. And then weirdly. Um, she was like, okay, there's something you could do with it. And I was like, well, I don't get it because it, they had not announced Black Label. And so I was like, what is this like top secret thing? I thought they wanted me to write like a novel. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so, because I'm a novelist originally. So we, I went in and I pitched to like Jim Lee and, you know, Dan and Bob and Hank, you know, the editor-in-chief was very intimidating and the publishers. And, um, and they said, you know, we have this other label that's going to be out of continuity and like these different kinds of stories. And so, like, originally, what I, I was thinking about writing, like, a serial killer novel. And, but I was loving doing Teen Titans for, I was doing uh, Raven for the uh, YA line. And I was like, I'd rather do a graphic novel because I, what I really wanted to do was, like, see it. Like, I can see it in my head, and I wanted right. to see it for real. And so, um, I, and also the Joker is, like, this, in, realistically, like, the scariest serial killer, especially the sane version of him. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I'm just going to turn this, like, a, do my serial killer thriller about the Joker. And obviously, if you're going to hunt the smartest, you know, serial killer, you need a forensic psychiatrist and a profiler to find them. So who better to hunt him than Harley? The, the Black Label uh, imprint, you know, ended up being something that was, you know, a bit more mature than the rest of the DC stuff. Was your idea at the, what, that you began with, was it less mature or more mature? Oh, no, than what it was <laughs> as mature as it is. It was, you know, it's not, there's, you know, the biggest thing about it, obviously, is it's graphic because there are bodies, there are crime scenes. So it's not, so, and I mean, there's language too. There's not appropriate for like 12 year olds. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, really and at one point we, in another title, we saw Batman's dick, so. We're not going <laughs> to see anyone's penis. No one's dick. Okay, all right. We're not going to no. see any penises. We're not going to see anyone's, like, even uh, we have a one crime scene where, Traditionally, the body would have been naked, but he has a little Roman diaper on. Okay, all right, all right. So I just don't. I don't. I don't need to see anyone's like. I mean, I can't promise you might not see some like innards and entrails. Innards, but innards you're not are fine, see any but you know, you don't need to get into this drama about you know genitalia or anything. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's just not necessary. Like it really, it really, it, it takes you out of the story. Yeah. Right. And even for one of the things which I love about Miko's design for Harley in this, that she's wearing great clothes, functional clothes. She rides around on a motorbike, so she has to wear stuff that's appropriate for that. Um, and everything that he's dressed her in, even I, I remember early on, I drew her in high heel boots, and, and they're like, like no. no boots, no, like no heels, no heels, no flat heels. Like she's a functional person. Right. She's a tough girl. She yeah. can't run around in high heels. Right. Everything has to work. She wants to, like, we wanted her to be really realistic, and also um, I wanted the focus to be on how, I mean, she's still beautiful, but how intelligent she is, not on, like, her cleavage. Yeah. Right. Because I wanted it to be, like, you, you know, the attraction is, like, you know, like, she is sexy because she's smart and formidable, not because, like, you know, you're, like, looking at her body. Yeah, that's, that's something I see, you know, with the, the Black Label stuff is that, might be a little bit more mature, but a lot of the, the art is more functional. You know, how, you know, 
coming up with you know with what she was writing and how did from a artistic standpoint did you know were you able to sort of bring her words to life you know how did that kind of you know what was the method of you know, the process of doing that well it starts with Cammy's bible which is just phenomenal and one of the things it, it is so grounded and one of the things i like it's so realistic well that's, we, I'm too. <laughs> well that's it i mean we have an internationally renowned forensic psychiatrist who's sat down who's a dc fan also who sat down looked at the joker and looked at harley quinn and said well and worked with cammy to say well what would this relationship look like in a real world context right we've got some limitations where you were saying psychiatrists do not fall for their patients. So well, that doesn't forensics, like, forensics level, like, right. like Ed said, there's no, I'm sure someone has somewhere, but he's like, there's no like cases that you can pull up, you know, on Google about like a real forensic psychiatrist, like being in like a mental facility in love with their patient. Like they know going in that like, number one, a, a psychopath is not capable of love or yeah. empathy or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, when I, and he works in like a real Arkham. And he's like, you know, when I go in and I go into the prison and stuff and see these guys, like, if I, they're psychopaths, like, I know it's reptilian. Like, he's like, I know they're going to lie to me. I know they're going to try to manipulate me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, there's no doubt. So I don't go in and, like, you know, become disillusioned or, like, you know, lead myself, know I'm leading myself down the wrong path. He's like, I know that leading myself down that path, you will end up dead. Did that change anything in regards to your story, what you were kind of what you're writing about once you heard things like that from well i kind of knew that from my own research but like every time like if i would kind of go off the like on the wrong path like i we have a profile and i'd be like oh i wanted her to say this or i want the christmas crime scene ed would say it doesn't you know like it doesn't match up to the profile like she wouldn't do that or he wouldn't do that because you know they're a narcissist or because um they're you know so self-aware so he would he would prevent because one because I, and I asked like that was his job. I said like I do not want you to let me go on like, you know, kind of creative writer tangents where I come up with cool story points that are not accurate. So that was his job was to be like that sounds like an awesome idea except it's totally unrealistic. <laughs> and I would be like damn because I would it would seem very realistic. He's like it it definitely would happen from a killer. He's like but not a killer with this profile. So he was really had to rein me in. And that's what's just so fascinating that you you see so many movies where they're like based on true events. Well, what if it's based on a true psychiatric theory, like profile, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what grounds the entire book. Like I work with Dr. Kurtz and Cammy on everybody's body language because there are no forensic clues, right? The Joker is so good he's not leaving fingerprints, blood, DNA, or anything. The only clues are psychological, and that's what Harley has to figure out. So in all the artwork, there are layers and layers of people's body language and things that he's done and doing that are clues for Harley, and she's the only one who can figure it out. And it is a fascinating dynamic to see this Harley being brilliant. She is brilliant, but right? But still has her own issues. Once you get farther in, like once you get around like four and five too, I think like the people who are real like kind of criminal minds, Mindhunter fans, like they're gonna go back yes. to one and two because like I am a hardcore plotter. And yeah. I like, I mean, I plot like a screenwriter and, and they might see stuff that there's like, Chekhov's gun, man. Like there are like, clues. Like there's, there's clues in the first couple that they might not there have are, seen that. Right. Like, oh, wait a minute. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah. Yes. There was something. Let me, yo, let me go back. There's obvious ones where like they find something and they don't know what it is. But then there's hidden ones like, you know, like Jason's even put stuff like in the back. You know, part of what you get is Joker's backstory. And he even thought about like, well, what's in his bedroom? What's on the walls? What kind of curtains does he have? You know, like. 
what does this room look like? Like, so there are these little hints and clues and also just things that like these like nuances that yeah. once you read through and you like have more time or you're, you're waiting for the next one, if you like go back to the beginning and like read through, you can find all these kind of like little things that are hidden. Jason, for your um your work, how does this sort of different differ in any way, like in regards to paying attention to body language? Oh, that great question. So, every person's body language are run by Dr. Kurtz. So, right from the flashbacks with Harley's mother, I sat down and spoke to him about her psychological profile and her history, and what her body language would be like, what her brother would be like, what that dynamic and that relationship how is. How she, yes, kind of yeah. And it, it is, it's just so, it's so great to have this support and team to, to lean back on that. I mean, I think the French call it mise-en-scene where everything in this is planned, right? Yeah. Everything is thought about and a note for somebody to think about. And if you know and if you're resonant to it, you will hopefully pick that up if I've done my job. Ed always says, he's like, I talk to you more than my fiance. And, like, <laughs> and I talk to him more than my husband because yeah. it's like every time I'm not sure about something, every line, like... He goes over the first draft, and then before the letter prep, before the letter gets the final dialogue and everything to put in, who, yeah. by the way, is Richard Starking, who did oh. Killing Joke. Okay. He's amazing. Um, he go like he will literally he'll go over it first himself and make notes, and then we get on the phone and we go over every <laughs> single line, you know. And I'll be like, "Well, I think," and he's like, "Well, I just like I just can't live with that one. I just don't think he would say that one word." Like we talk about like tattoo, you know, tattoos on like Russian criminals, like everything. And, but has this changed like the way that you think about body language in your art? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, when my ideal things to draw are interesting looking people talking about interesting things. And so when you have these characters, these performances that are so thought out and again are playing right through to the end of the book from the start to the end, it's just so much fun. It is just, I mean, it, trying to create these performances, laying them out, having these people interact with each other. And again, when you have Miko, who is just an absolute master of drawing people and drawing beautiful people doing, <laughs> you know, interesting yeah, things like and horror. And I said that one of the things, because Miko was the first person like on the project besides like Ed and I when we were working together. And I s was talking to him about um, like shows and movies and stuff we loved. And I said, you know, I love the show Hannibal because they're the most grotesque crime scenes, but they're like, s like from afar, they're beautiful and up close, they're hideous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and I knew when I saw his work, like he knows how to do that perfectly. Where like you first look at the page and you're like, God, this is such gorgeous artwork. And then you look closely and you're like, are those tendons? Like, that's really disgusting. Is that <laughs> melted body fat? Like, so those are the kind of things that I feel like, you know, if you don't have the right artist, like it just does not work. Cause yeah. the artist has to be just as interested in the content as the writer. And I get so many emails and texts from Cammy being like, I'm sorry, I have to send you this, and it'd be the inside of a gut lining. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, like, I'm sorry, I have to send some viscera. <laughs> I don't like the viscera you have. Look, Chris is like, I should really not be CC'd on this email right now. <laughs> <laughs> editor, Christy's editor. like, I would like to be out of this loop. Yeah. Look, Christy, uh, Christy Quinn is our editor, and she's like the ringmaster in the circus and just does a spectacular job. And right. Annette Quark with our colors just. It is such a dream team. It's, I, I really feel like, for me, it's like, I, I didn't just get drafted into the NBA. I'm on the all-star 
game. Like, it's my first match. One of the all-stars already. <laughs> Faking it till I make it. <laughs> all right, before we get out of here, where can people go online to get more information about, uh, you know, the book and what you, you both are doing? Well, um, DC has Colonel Sanity up. It has, you know, you can, like, click on it, and it tells you all the descriptions and stuff. And then pretty much everywhere, I'm just my name, Cami Garcia, K-A-M-I-G-A-R-C-I-A. I'm that on, like, my website my yeah. Twitter and my Instagram and I have on my website like all the links and stuff like that um, yeah. and you know go to your local comic shop like they like they are aware and they know like what the variants are and what's coming this is bi-monthly yeah so there's and I love your necklace oh thank you I'm a like a, I'm, a, I'm a jewelry girl I'm a yeah. plain black but jeweled girl yeah and for me, at Jason Badauer, so B-A-D-O-W-E-R, and it's a unique name. You just Google that, and you'll find all my stuff. So. And being Australian, um, I know you don't like the coffee that's here in, in the States. You have hit the nail on the <laughs> head, my friend. You guys, see, you guys see coffee as a base for condiments. It's like, do you want to frappe maca, whipper, water? Can you just make it good? Like, how about that? I always got to ask just, Australians just, about coffee because you guys are mental about coffee. Just to give you guys an idea, I think like Starbucks opened like 90-something Starbucks in Australia and they closed 86 feel, of them because we wouldn't drink. ordering one of those drinks this morning for me? It's like against my religion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the things I do, the things I do to be functional. I gave him like, there were like 20 additions to my coffee. And I was like, do you mind ordering this? And now I'm thinking like, he's probably like, this is not for me. I'm it's gut-ratching, yeah. It's, it's like vanilla venti with five <laughs> pumps of vanilla. I'm like, okay, so that's what, so that, that's what your kid's having. What are you having? Like? This is how I make the magic happen. <laughs> That's the special sauce. <laughs> right, it's been great talking with you uh, both. Uh, thanks for thank uh, being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Right, you. Hey, yo, thank you for listening to this episode of Fresh is the Word, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh is the word. Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh is the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh of the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.